and I could be totally wrong that uh, the Feast of the Transfiguration was white, but I, you know, I'm wrong a lot. In fact, when I was growing up with the other eight siblings in my family, when my mother would say, who did that? I would always raise my hand, or she would look at me first. So that's how that went. All right. Today's Feast of the Transfiguration brings the cycle of Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany to a close. It's kind of a bridge to the Lent Easter cycle, which will begin in just a few days on Ash Wednesday. The Transfiguration of Jesus intends to show us the meaning and the purpose of Jesus' birth and also his death. The word and the mystery of God addresses us directly in this transfiguration, this small script. According to God's design and purpose for you, for each of you and me, we have been sent into the world to be enlightened by God's word and spirit, to know through faith and believe in your spirit and in your bones, in your very bones, you are God's chosen one. You are a beloved, each one of you, all of us, of God. And then we are sent out to help your brothers and sisters know that they also are sons and daughters of God. We all are involved with each other. We all belong to each other. That basically sums up God's purpose for us. I'm done with the sermon. No, I'm not. <laughs> The revelation of Jesus during this transfiguration is granted to several of his top leaders, his primary leaders, his go-to people. And, they, and he introduces them in a very powerful way to Jew, Jesus as the continuity of the Israelites' tradition in the discourse with Moses and the law, with Elijah and the prophets. And just as Moses Mo, I can't talk. And just as Moses and Elijah ascended to God at their death, so will Jesus. And Jesus' death and resurrection is the fulfillment and the purpose of the law and prophets. God says again, as God did at the beginning of Jesus' mission when he was baptized, this is my son, the beloved. With him I am delighted. Listen to him. And after Jesus touches the disciples who are overwhelmed and fearful on the onslaught of a divine manifestation, they are calmed. And at Jesus' touch, when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. The life and love and manifestation of Jesus is the center of the universe. That's all they saw. That's all they perceived and felt in a calmness at that moment. After the revelation of Christ and being touched by him, we also are brought to see only him. He also, at that time, for us, becomes the center of the universe. We can look at the contrast today in this gospel reading. We have a stark contrast between today's scene, between the depth and the power and the beauty of God's revelation in the transfiguration, and then we look at the human response. 
which is much like all of us when we're confronted with things that we fear. We are bumbling and full of anxiety. Peter is so overcome by the experience that he begins to utter craziness, grasping. He begins to grasp ideas like building structures to prolong the experience, to memorialize it. When God breaks into our world, it is what we do. We want to grab it. We want to hold on to it. We want to share it. We want to make a structure so big we can memorialize that experience. Something we can control. Something we can manage. If the transfiguration of Jesus is meant to reveal the identity of Jesus, first proclaimed in his baptism, and showing was it at what is at the heart of all when he comes to the fullness of his mission and passion, the point seems to be lost on Peter, James, and John. Matthew highlights the disciples' lack of understanding with the observation of the disciples when they fall to the ground and they're overcome with fear. This reminds me, so many times we hear and they were afraid. So many times we hear God say, don't be afraid. From the very beginning, God says, don't be afraid. We are afraid anyway. In a way, though, it's comforting to see the disciples stumble and be fearful at times. Even in this ultimate event of Christ's manifestation, we recognize ourselves, and at the same time, we recognize through our faith that God knows that we are fumbling. God knows that we bumble through things sometimes. God knows we are fearful. God knows our foolishness. And God loves us and stoops to us in a providence and care to bring us along in God's freedom and life as God's beloved. The ultimate direction and purpose of our lives all comes down to identity. How do we self-understand who we are and our purpose? We all do, in a wide variety of ways, understand our identity, and in many simple ways, too, and in many supple ways. And all of our personal gatherings around self-image and identity involve some instability and fear. When I would get straight A's and someone would say, and I didn't always get it, Someone would say, well, you're really smart. That would scare me to death. Because if I was smart, that meant, meant I had to perform. It meant that I always had to perform and get all those great grades, or else a smart one was failing. We all are children, and we're all parents. We are spouses. We are teachers. We are workers in every field. We're salespeople. We're pastors administrative assistants, musicians, secretaries, retirees, gardeners, champion volunteers. We are white, we're black, we're straight, we're gay, we're Republican, we're Democrat, socially progressive, fiscally conservative, and at the drop of a hat, we will often let the world know parts of our identity. But all our identities, which give us security and understanding in this world, we hold on to them, and they make us insecure because they cannot fill up 
and satisfy our true purpose and our true identity. They cannot fill God's plan for us, the beloved ones. Some of our various and significant identities are genuine places, or places that have been earned, or places that have been tested, have places that have been encountered and exchanged with others. Other identities are nothing more than a temporary display of an allegiance, which don't involve deeper engagements or being in relationship. Our most true present and future identity comes from the one who is revealed in dazzling glory on this day. We are the sons and the daughters of God. We are God's beloved. And God's purpose for us is to find delight in us and to have us enter in and share the life and love and the pleasure of God, to be in communion with God and one another and all of creation, to live in Christ. This ultimate identity we have in Christ is not something we can possess. Rather, we live into it. We trust into it. We love into it. And we give ourselves away in it. It is a living relationship through which we are giving and receiving, in which God is knowing, loving through us. It is like we are consenting. It is like we are witnessing. And we are participants to the wonder of God living in us through the Spirit. Because so much of our life is trading in fear and insecurity, we are confronted with the message and the life of God. We know nothing else but to react in fear and not trust, just like Peter, James, and John. So it is the beginning work of grace. So it is the beginning work of grace to teach us to trust. Amen.